0: OK, we're going to begin this story called Drama on the Tyne Bridge at Newcastle-on-Tyne. It's the second part of Last Boat Goes to Dundee from It's Rum Life book to Boston 1960 to 1970. This story from 1969. And part two begins close to Newcastle-on-Tyne. After the stressful loading of the boat last evening, What else did fate have in store for our journey on the morrow? Bank holiday Saturday morning found us well on our way by 3am. As it was my intention to turn round and return home from Dundee without a break, co-drivers were sister Jane and her lorry driver husband number one, Colin. Note here, Jane was destined to have two more husbands both lorry drivers. End of note. Everything proceeded well until we arrived in Newcastle-upon-Tyne at about 7am. The main A1 road was being changed, but in August 1969 it still ran through the centre of the town. We were aiming for the famous road bridge across the Tyne, uh, when a single-deck service bus tried to cut us off at an approaching traffic island. Not being able to stop quickly with the trailer and boat hanging on behind, we kept going. The bus had to stop. It did not take him long to catch up and just as we reached the centre of the famous Tyne Bridge he surged past us and then swerved sharply in front causing me to break hard. We both stopped. Bank holiday Saturday morning was going to be busy in the very centre of Newcastle and not wishing for a prolonged confrontation with an eight bus driver I tried to select reverse gear swiftly This resulted in a dramatic clunk as the large gear lever in the centre of the floor by my side of the Rover 90 snapped off from its selector in the top of the gearbox. I now had something far more serious to consider and to take my mind off the bus driver hurling abuse through my driver's side window. During this exciting interlude, Jane and Colin were still asleep, one beside me on the passenger seat and the other across the rear seats. They were awoken by the irate bus driver venting his spleen and my equally vociferous cursing at the precarious situation we were now in. After he ex- had exhausted himself and duly left, we had to review our options. We were in the very centre of the main road bridge going through one of the busiest cities in the country. It was 7.30am on August bank holiday Saturday. Very, very soon we were going to become a major obstacle. So, what to do best? The car would not move under its own power, but fortunately, Jane belonged to the AA Recovery Club. I found a telephone box nearby. A local garage was requested to attend to our predicament. When the mechanic arrived, just before 8 am, very fast response for which we were delighted. He was an old hand who had experience of this problem previously. Evidently, to quote, where the gear change lever swivels on the parcel shelf below the dashboard, it creates an extra thrust that pushes excess load on the selector in the top of the gearbox. We were eloquently informed. I may have the answer to your problem, he stated firmly. Just behind our workshop is a scrapyard for cars and I'm sure there is a rover just like yours in there. He continued calmly. First of all, though, we have to get rid of this boat. I cannot tow two vehicles at one time. Abandoned. The boat was unhitched and the mechanic towed it into the mouth of the new A1 road that was to disappear underground at the northernmost end of the bridge. We quickly removed the roadworks barriers and bollards and deposited the boat on the trailer with Jane and Colin in the tunnel mouth to await my return. We were at least five hours travelling time for Dundee and the traffic was building up rapidly by now in the centre of the city. The mechanic was true to his word. There was a rover in the scrapyard and it still had its gear selector. By half past eight the car was fixed and me ten pounds lighter in the pocket. The mechanic explained that one reason he came to us quickly was that his shift ended at eight. The other thing he explained was that the gear selector could have broken at any time as he had a partial break already. We were lucky it had happened close to someone who could find the solution. Dundee. I picked up Jane and Colin and the boat and by 9am we were on our way north once more. My turn to rest and Colin took us to Edinburgh and the fourth road bridge. The remainder of the journey was uneventful, the scenery amazing as we passed over the fourth bridge and proceeded on through Perth and turned down towards the coast once more, and our destination. We had managed to keep in touch with our client by public phone from time to time and report our progress. He very kindly informed us that we were to have lunch with his family. One small problem resulted in our journey ending with a bang – The client was a builder by trade and also had a fleet of minibuses as a sideline. His yard was quite extensive and allowed plenty of room for the boat and trailer. Access was the problem. The road past his property was far higher and there was a sharp drop down into his yard. The telephone lines crossed in front at the level of the road and were not very high. I suppose if one of us had had the awareness to climb onto the boat and ease the wires over it would have been better. Colin was reversing gently down the slope into the yard but we were all tired and this thought only came to us as the wires twanged across the mast tabernacle on the boat coach roof and parted with a distinct crack. The boat owner was so delighted with his purchase only having seen it in photographs that he cared not a jot He told us quite casually that as a commercial user his telephone line would be up and working again by the next day. He was delighted with the trailer too. I was sorry to see it go, particularly as I had originally had it built in exchange for my well-loved blue 1936 MGTA. We must mention that lunch before the return journey all the family were around a huge table plus places for his two Yorkshire Terrier dogs. Something you see in comic strips was right in front of us. They were well behaved too. Jane drove us back to Edinburgh, I did Edinburgh to Scott's Corner and Colin drove us the rest of the way home. The journey was much quicker without the boat and trailer and we were home in the early hours of Sunday morning. Apart from the broken gear lever, The car, in true Rover 90 style, never missed a beat for the whole 1,200 miles or so. There was just this smell of petrol, which you could detect when sleeping on the rear seat on the return journey. The petrol pump in these large older Rover saloons was in the right-hand corner of the boot. It pushed the petrol forward to the carburetor on the engine. This method of fuel delivery is common to the range of Morris and Austin minicars, that were becoming the rage at this time, it is also shared by the m g Sport saloons. I clambered underneath the car after servicing it about lunchtime on Sunday. Jane turned on the ignition to activate the pump, and I was engulfed in a fine spray of petrol jetting from a pinhole in the fuel delivery pipe just above the exhaust system. There we are. That's the end of that tale. That was part two, going to Dundee. Brought to you by Cracker Books, written and read by Keith Sanders. We hope you enjoyed the story. Lots more stories to read on crackerbooks.wordpress.com. There are, two f- there are more free audio stories on this Buzzsprout site. Uh, lots of free videos to watch, including horses, on Keith Sanders, the short story man on, on YouTube. There's a shop. This is the important bit. All the stories you listen to or read are compiled into books. Three there at the moment. This story is from book two. They're easily downloadable. They're very inexpensive. Do have a look at the site. RichardKeithSanders.sells.com Thank you for listening.